another episode of Confessions of a Disney Cast Member, where I chat to Disney Cast Members from all walks of life and, of course, all walks of magic. In today's episode, I'll be chatting to Noah, who sprinkled his pixie dust in parade audience control, and then... I can't believe I'm saying this, and he's even wearing the t-shirt, moved on to <laughs> Disney Imagineering, firstly as a producer intern, and then onto a creative project coordinator role. I'm so happy to introduce the wonderful Noah. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. Of course. I'm so excited. I mean, obviously, whenever I have an accent, obviously I'm from the UK, so for you, I've probably got an accent, but for a lot of my UK listeners, we have an accent on the show today. Tell us where you are in the world right now. That's true. I am currently in Glendale, California, uh, about 10 minutes away from uh, Walt Disney Imagineering headquarters. Um, but my accent is originally from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Oh, uh, like the American office. Love the American it. Office. I, I'm I've actually sure. never I've never had to introduce it before as the American office, but I figured I should. We do have to do that now. I, even though, let's be real, which is the better one? Obviously, the American office. So everyone's like, Correct. we don't need an introduction for that. Who cares about the original, you know? Like, down with the Brits in that situation, because you guys <laughs> definitely did it better. <laughs> um, but we've got loads to talk about, uh, Noah. So first things first, let's get in the Disney mood and start with a little Disney quick fight. How does that sound? I can't wait. Amazing. Let's do it. So first question... Biggest question. There's so many Disney parks in the world. What's your favorite one? My answer is a two-parter. I grew up in Magic Kingdom and I worked in Magic Kingdom. So Magic Kingdom has my whole heart. But objectively, Disneyland is probably my favorite. There's just combined with the history and the amount of attractions and the, the, the feeling of intimacy you just you can't be it's so small and personal it feels it does feel right doesn't it you can literally feel the history and the originality of what disney originally originally wanted to create just seething through every detail even if it's a new attraction or if it's a it's a new part of the park it doesn't matter like it it's that original piece of land where everything started and that just says something doesn't it oh yeah you you can feel the history there like no other park and i personally i've always been a real disney parks history geek i love the the stories of walt and and roy i personally don't think roy disney ever gets enough credit right Um, so that that park is just a it's an abundance of history Amazing. Well, I'm going to let you have a two-parter. I'm not going to make you chill. Do not worry. <laughs> um, next question. Favorite ride on Disney property? Haunted Mansion. No question. Oh, any any particular reason? Um, I, I act. Haunted Mansion has been my favorite attraction since I was ten. I've always been a very I've always been a person who likes to figure things out and and to tinker with things. And from when I was 10, I actually started recreating effects from the mansion, um, which we'll get into later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But it just, the the level of artistry and, and technical magic that's in there and the fact that it's an old attraction. It is. Yet there are still things that people have no idea how they're done. And it's timeless. It has, 
and you know, I can go into, I can go into a bajillion reasons why I like it. Like there's, the, there's the three act structure. There's the narr- there's the narration. There's the music. I, but overall, I just think that I still am affected emotionally by it, whether it is actual, you know, nerves or or anxiety, yeah. or just love for the tradition of the original great attractions that that Disney built. But I don't know. You can't get better than that, in my opinion. It's, I mean, it stood the test of time for a reason and it will be there forever and it will be a classic and a fan favorite forever. So amazing yeah. choice. Amazing choice. Um, favorite show on Disney property? That is a question I need to think a little bit more about. I, I think my favorite show that is currently playing at any Disney park is actually the Disneyland Philharmonic, which oh, is technically yes. not a stage show. No, but, but I'd still count it as a show. But they are performance. The it's a it's a new cat relatively new cast of musicians that have that have uh, joined the band in the last few years. And the set list that they have, the medleys that they have, and the energy they bring to it, and the choreography. Like, I'm a musician. I come from a background in musical theater, but to play the tuba and walk around is something I can't fathom. Like I can <laughs> sing and dance, whatever. But if you're telling me to hold this thing and know where I'm going, absolutely not. I give them major props. I just have to say as well, we spoke about heat beforehand, before we started the podcast, yes. but in 90 degree heat as well, I'm like, guys, what are right. you doing? <laughs> and I imagine with, with the brass instruments, they must get hot in the heat as well. Imagine yeah. playing a tuba, you touch that's it. That's so it's true. I've oh never God, thought about so that. Neither have I. And now I'm like, oh, they're poor hands. I hope they're okay. <laughs> um, okay, <laughs> your go-to Disney snack. My go-to Disney snack. When I worked in Walt Disney World, it was actually um, the waffle with Nutella and... Um, strawberries and things from sleepy hollow right you know what? i, I didn't Liberty even Square. know i didn't even know that was at sleepy hollow and in my head as you were saying it i was thinking it's got to be sleepy hollow and it is. i'm just glad i remembered the name because i haven't gotten it in a few years yeah <laughs> but, but looking back i got that all the time um yeah i'll leave my answer at that amazing love it a bit of a waffle we love that yeah. um my final quick fire and slash non-quick fire because it's never actually that quick my final quick fire question that you know it is if you could work in any department attraction show part of the disney company that you haven't worked in before what would it be i would love to work in the music department at imagineering that that okay. seems to be the uh, mecca of the combination of all of my skills all of my interests and to be able to get the opportunity to have a hand in the music that lasts generations yeah. and you hear whether it's background music in you know walking in the lands or soundtracks to attractions yeah. or songs i mean what's the most recent soundtrack song uh nothing can stop us now from uh mickey and minnie's runaway railway that was that's the the newest theme song uh just to be to be a part of that legacy and to affect people emotionally like that is something that i would love to have the opportunity to do i mean i think that we as cast members and as guests we get so attached to 
parts of the parks and resorts for different reasons. But music is something that is so, so raw in our minds. Like when I'm when I need to concentrate or focus on, on something, I honestly just put the UK Pavilion music on and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm back in my happy place. I'm here. I don't need to think of anything else. Like that just helps me like get back to my to the place I need to be, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. No, absolutely. I have definitely found myself listening to to various loops. I'm a sucker for the uh, the Epcot loop, uh, the Epcot entrance and future world, yeah. uh, BGM tracks, um, and the Polynesian resort. If I ever need to calm down, that's a great one. I don't get me started on those. I can go on forever. Oh, cool. I was going to say that's another podcast, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, okay. Like I said, Noah, we've got so much to get into, but it's always good to get in the Disney mood before we get started. So now we know that you obviously are a Disney Kino, which we're all here for. Let's get into your Disney journey. So let's start with where your love for the Disney company began, whether that was the parks, the movies first, where did it all start for you? Sure. Um, well, I grew up in a family that was very fortunate to be able to travel to Walt Disney World from Pennsylvania uh, almost every year. Not Not quite calendar year, but every year or so. And so I really, I grew up going to the parks as, as an annual thing, as, as a family tradition that we had. And that really affected me pretty profoundly, even from a young age. Um, I mentioned before about the Haunted Mansion, it was probably, I was 10 when I really started saying, discovering that people made these things that it didn't just appear you know I remember when I was really little I just thought that the parks were open 24 7 because I was always whenever I was there it was open and it was exciting and there were things to do so that's just something I thought but around that age 10 I started not only loving it but respecting it as a piece of work Mm. which sounds so silly as as a as a preteen, but I really, I, I was somebody, even as a kid who I, I used to do stop motion animation, for example. And I used to love the behind the scenes of, of creating animation and, and how you give something life, have, how you start with a blank sheet of paper and then you end up with a book or a movie or a painting or, or whatever. Yeah. And so to be able to first find out about the creation of it was something that made me fall in love with it uh, even harder. And I can really point to learning about how the Haunted Mansion was built when I was 10 in a trivia book. That was like, it flipped the switch for me that, oh, people make this. And that was really when I fell in love with the with not only the product itself, but the process of creating the product. Do you know what you say? It's, you say it's silly as a preteen, but that spark has to start somewhere. And it's it's no matter what career path we end up going down, it is those interests and the things that we become very passionate about that we then start to we think, okay, I've enjoyed that. Now let's take the next step and find out why I'm enjoying that. And that sounds exactly like what happened. Yeah, yeah. No, it really it really allowed me to figure out why 
this thing was affecting me. Yeah. And that's something that as, as a, as a musician, as a composer, as an actor as well, is a, such an important question of how do people feel things, but why, how could, how can we create those feelings in thousands, millions of yeah. people? And, and to find a way to, to do that consistently and effectively is just endlessly fascinating to me. I'm still fascinated by it. Amazing. Well, I mean, obviously you've had this spark at 10 years old, 10 year old little Noah is like Haunted Mansion is everything. <laughs> I need to, I need to find out how everything's done. You've got your little trivia book, but then the next step is school it can be a rough time for people, but Disney for a lot of us does end up like pulling us out of places that to, to make us regain the ambition and that passion that we need to get. What was the next step for you? Because obviously we're going to touch, touch on your, how music has impacted your life a little bit later, but you've got these, you've got this passion for themed entertainment and, and attractions and, and tourism, I guess, to a sense of like bringing yeah. in people to um, enjoy something, but you've also got this love for music. How did you decide what path you were going to take going into schooling? That is a fantastic question because it was a question that I very much had. Um, as somebody who grew up uh, pre-Disney Plus, pre-all uh, pre of these uh, very specific behind-the-scenes documentaries, all, all I had, uh, I'm, I'm 25 at the time of this recording, uh, all I had was a couple of grainy YouTube videos of ride throughs before that was commonplace and uh, some travel um, videos that Walt Disney would put out in promotion and one History Channel Modern Marvels documentary about the creation of Walt Disney World. And I remember watching that and they it inspired me incredibly. Um, and a lot of the people you see are artists or engineers, you know, those seem mm. to be the, the cornerstones of, of Imagineering, it, at least in the 90s when they were, they were publicizing it in, in that way. And as somebody who really loved the parks, but wasn't necessarily an artist or an engineer, uh, it was thought-provoking to say, okay, do I have a future here? Yeah. Um, and how do I fit into this? And an interesting part of my journey, I guess it, in terms of my timeline, this would be the, the first thing that happened is when I was 13 or 14, I wrote to Walt Disney Imagineering and I said, Hey, I'm a nerdy Disney <laughs> geek. Uh, I've recreated effects from the haunted mansion. I've read all this history. Uh, I would love to be an Imagineer. I know all this stuff about Disney. I've read all these books, blah, blah, blah. Do you have any advice? And incredibly, a guy named Dave Fisher wrote back to me. No and way. He, yeah, yeah. 14 year old kid. Very excited to receive that, <laughs> that email. Um, he wrote back to me with, with two pieces of advice that were so helpful for me and that I do end up giving people now as, as a former Imagineer myself. Uh, the two pieces of advice were figure out what you are best at and do that thing because we do not hire people who want to be imagineers we hire imagineers 
And what I think he meant by that was you can love Disney and be passionate about Disney and that's all well and good, but you really need to have a skill set that you can provide to help create this thing. Wow. And that was really a, an important wake up call for 14 year old Noah, because I was a Disney geek who loved Disney for Disney's sake and, you know, was into all the history, but that really cemented the fact that, okay, I have, I've been doing music, performing and writing since I was, you know, since I was born. Mm. I love that. That is the skill. Those are the skills that I'm most passionate about. I guess I need to go all in because not only do I love musical theater and love creating it, but also if I become the best at that, maybe then I can apply that. And so that piece of advice was really, it, it was like a light bulb moment. Yeah. Uh, I know I said there were two pieces of advice. I kind of just put them in the Merge same. them together. That was, yeah. That was, that was both of them. <laughs> I, it's, it's crazy because we do think, I, I think when, when I think back to when I was 14 years old, you can get so caught up in um, trying to, obviously we've, we've all seen Mean Girls. We all know what, we've all been through school. We all know what it's like. And we can get so caught up in these little things, but it is that light bulb moment sometimes. I remember for myself, I was, um, I was quite severely bullied at school because I loved performing and you put into categories and stuff. And then oh, yeah. I, I remember turning 16 and um, sadly I never messaged Disney Imagineering. I should have done that. <laughs> but, um, I, I've got an ocean between, between the, between the waves, you know, but, um, of course. but I, um, I remember turning 16 and thinking, you know what? I love the idea of running events. I love the idea of charity. I love performing. So let's put all those things together. And again, it was that light bulb moment for me that then said, okay, I always thought I wanted to be an actor, but then I soon realized that's not what I want to do. I want to merge all these, again, those skills together to, to, I didn't really know what at that point, but it was like, if I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm building a skill set up of all these little things to, to make one potential part of me, whatever that might bring, then that's fine. And who knows where yeah. that will take me. Um, we, we never, I mean, come on at 14, 15, 16, we don't know where we're heading, but it's about taking Absolutely where we are not. at that moment in time and running with it and saying, you know what, wherever I go, this is where I am now. And whatever I do in the future, I would have learned that from, from me then. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so many of us, I, I have really learned, we're able to just hang on to that, if you want to call it like the, the Disney dream to use an yeah. overused phrase, but just to, to, to realize the strength in just being proud of what you enjoy and, and to realize that there, there, there are layers to it and reasons why. And it is, it is not, you know, I always tell people, you know, I love Disney, but it's not just... I love, you know, animated going to the park or, yeah, or watching movies. It, yeah, it's it. It really does. I love it because of the emotional effect it has on me and the the immersive experience, the the ability to go somewhere that you capital you royal you longed to go to, but is unavailable anywhere else. That that idea yeah. of transportation and you know, you can call it escapism if you want. That's, that's a, that's a debate. Um, but just to, to have strength in your opinion that you like it will, will get you through 
I don't know. Definitely. Don't 100%. be, don't be, don't be afraid of what you enjoy. Never, never. Because at the end of the day, we all want to end up. Do, we work, we work forty plus hours a week. Why not spend those forty plus hours a week doing something we love doing, right? Oh yeah. I mean, we could sit here and talk inspirational to us to each other all day long. <laughs> I get, I get the vibe we're that kind of people, you know. Like we're just <laughs> like, let's just come on, we've got this. Like fist bump. Um, but let's talk about college. So you end up going to college. Tell us what you ended up studying and how that ended up turning into the Disney College program for you. Yeah, absolutely. I went to college at Muhlenberg College, small liberal arts college in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And I majored in, I double majored in theater and music. So not musical theater per se, but a music degree and a theater degree. Nice. A A lot of overlap, but also some straight theater, also some classical music. Lovely. Uh, and I, just as a side note, that's really where I started uh, composing. And my first show, I, I, Hamilton came out the, the very beginning of my sophomore year of college. Mm. And I remember looking up Lin-Manuel Miranda and he had started writing In the Heights in college when he was 19. And wow. I had been wanting to write musical theater for a long time. And I said, well, he did it in college when he was 19. I'm in college and, nine, and I'm 19. I might as well start. There's no more excuses. And I started writing a full-length show because I, I didn't know any better. And <laughs> that show um, was actually about the history between Walt Disney and his brother Roy. I wanted to write a show that focused on their relationship. Wow. So uh, I have a show from the perspective of Roy Disney that I, that I built in college with my longtime collaborator, Emma Lockwood. And in college, I basically became known as the kid with the Disney show. But- um, That's not a bad title, that, is it? Like that's, that's a pretty good <laughs> title, I'm happy with that. <laughs> uh, and it's, it's clunky, cause it's the first show I've written and there's been many, many iterations, but I combined my passions and it's a yeah. good project. But back to your question, um, yeah. I remember seeing when I was in high school, a poster for the Disney College program. I was performing at a concert, a choral concert somewhere. I was backstage and I quite literally just saw, I think I was probably 15, a year or two after the Imagineering letter. Uh, I saw the college program poster. And again, it was like another light bulb moment of, oh, I didn't know this was a thing. Mm. Now this is what I want to (laughs) do. And I took the poster. I still have it. In my, no way. Uh, in my in my parents house back in Pennsylvania um but I remember that being such a light bulb moment to be like oh my god this is my way in this is my first because yeah. you can be a teenager you can be in college you know you you see all these things about Imagineering which even back then was the ultimate goal and you see all these people in their 40s and their 50s and you know that's that's what you assume they all are but the yeah. college program was suddenly an attainable goal in the short Mm. term and I ended up applying the moment I was able um and I was lucky enough to get through the rounds and be accepted in amazing uh for to come in on Jan in January of 2017 that's crazy. So we we oh no, we wouldn't have crossed because I my program was August 2017. So we would have just missed each other. Oh, probably. I left right before you got there. That's crazy. That's crazy. But I mean, you end up you you, you end up like having this 
lifetime of visiting the Disney parks as a guest, like having, like, I mean, it becomes such a big part of your life. Like you said, all of these skills, skills that you've created, you've merged that with your passion so far to this point. And then you end up working there. Tell us about the role that you ended up working in and what that experience was like. Absolutely. So I was parade audience control on Main Street USA in the Magic Kingdom. Uh, which meant that we were the people who told everybody to get onto the sidewalks during the parades and behind the ropes during the fireworks, which to the untrained ear may sound taxing. However, I was a 21-year-old at the time in the musical theater world as a performer, as a composer, who loved and still does, loved interacting with people and the job is essentially to stand on main street and help people and talk to people all day so i personally believe that it was the best job that i could have gotten at that point in my life because it was high energy because you were working parades and fireworks right alongside the entertainment that i loved so much and i got to spend the time when the parades and fireworks were not going, literally standing on Main Street, talking to people, helping them, telling them not only where the bathroom is or attractions are, but giving them advice, giving them bits of knowledge as they're waiting for their family to get off of an attraction, giving them tips for the best parade and fireworks uh, viewing areas. And to be able to really spend anywhere from six to 14 hours a day depending <laughs> on the day we love them 14 hour shifts oh, really. yeah. <laughs> I, I remember them vividly um to, to spend that time interacting with the people that worked so hard to get there to get on their vacation and to try and help them in a really direct way yeah it was incredibly fulfilling you know to to say nothing about getting to watch the parades and fireworks every single day you know as a disney geek that was just fun yeah Uh, i actually got to work the closing show of wishes no way which i grew up on as a kid so i'm standing there the last day with my little light wand you know to 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 show people uh the safe paths just like holding back tears as oh. you know like hercules comes up right this way oh my god uh, but then the next day i got to open happily ever after and that but two back-to-back incredible historic events within magic kingdom that i happened to be present for and i got to be a part of which was extremely exciting I mean, as well, like to to bring it back to the music side of things as well, you're there on Main Street and not only are you watching two historical moments with two shows that will forever be in Disney history, you get to see like two of the most iconic pieces of music that I personally think Disney parks have have ever created. They're both just phenomenal. Um, I'm going to I'm going to detour. What's your favorite? Give it to me. Favorite parade or firework show? Yeah, well, I'm okay. So I'm going wishes or happily ever after here. That's a very oh, oh, okay. So my opinion is not objective, but since I grew up with wishes, it always pulls on my heartstrings. So I, I, I think 
from a personal standpoint that I have the most personal connection with that. Um, I am going to answer for parades just because I've seen Go so many. It. And um, I really do think that Festival of Fantasy is just next level. So I good. think there's the the design, the the music, the Maleficent float. You can't beat that. That's really, really cool. And also Merida's float is very underrated. I just have to point out. Merida's float is very un- the the fact that they have an entire float with Merida is something you do not see often. Exactly. I didn't know that song prior to working that parade. Although I will say, I this is again just one of those happenstance moments. I was visiting with my family in, oh, forgive me, I don't remember the exact year, 2013 or 14. Mm. And as guests, we happened to be there for the debut of Festival of Fantasy. No <laughs> and then, way. And then three or four years later, I worked that parade every single day, which was so weirdly full circle. And, you know, as, as we get into the Imagineering side of me, there will continue to be an incredible amount of full circle moments in my that's life. what's that's what's so amazing I think again I will say as a cast member we have so many full circle moments where we're like oh my god like even if it comes down to I remember going on this as a kid and now I'm like working on this attraction or I'm like yeah. walking down Main Street as a guest now 10 years later I'm walking down Main Street as a cast member I I wanted to say as well I remember something that one of my trainers said to me um just relating to something you said um a few minutes ago that before a guest has has sat at your table in the restaurant you're working at or or sat on the ride or the attraction you're working on they have already spent so much money and put in so much graft and so much work to get to that point that you are greeting them at we have to remember that as cast members, we might be having a bad day. We might, and that happens. We're human beings, and yeah. and and we we might not feel at our most magical. But at the end of the day, one of the best parts of being a cast member for me was knowing that actually, scrap all those bad thoughts because whoever I'm talking to has done everything to be in this step. Whether they're an annual pass holder or someone that's never been to the Disney parks and this is their one trip they've ever gone in their life. So to be one of the things that we really preach about in this podcast is that as cast members, it doesn't matter who you are, no matter what level you're on, whether you are working on an attraction, working as an imagineer, working as a performer, no matter where you are, every person counts because without us as cast members, it wouldn't work. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the Disney quote of it takes people to make the dream a reality is incredibly accurate and, in, and incredibly twofold because... Yeah. Um, it does, every single cast member is important and it does take people to make these parks come alive. And then, but also, you know, you can have all these cast members in an empty park, but it takes people as in the guests to make it a reality. And they have put forth, like you said, an incredible amount of effort to get where they are just as just the same way that we have put an incredible amount of effort to get yeah. where we are. And, and it's, exactly. you know, while it's different circumstances, I mean, neither one, the guest or the cast member, just landed there with no prior <laughs> uh, thought. It, both exactly. it, whether it's financial or, or educational or just uh, professional work, we all had to get there <laughs> through a path. Yeah. And we're all there trying to make the best experience that we can 
on both sides of the coin. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's a really nice swift sweep into the next part of your Disney journey. So <laughs> before we get into um, your internship with Disney Imagineering, I want to ask the question, how does someone and how did you personally go from being a cast member in the parks to working with Disney Imagineering? Sure, sure. Um, it is, it, it's quite the jump, especially because, like I said before, when you think of Imagineering, you think of these Disney legends, you think of these people that are, that are quite middle-aged. You don't think of people who are interns, or you don't think of people who are right out of college, or even in their 30s necessarily. Um, but I had just finished up my college program, best experiences of my life at that point got to make incredible amount of friends uh, yeah. um, from around the world as a little side note uh, one of my best friends uh, Bridget is from Australia we still talk Amazing. hi Bridget um, <laughs> yes she's wonderful um, and I, I just came out of that and I was now going into my senior year at Muhlenberg and my friend came to me uh, one of my fellow theater geeks uh, from the tech and design realm who also had a love for, for Disney and the theme parks. And he said, hey, there's this thing called the Walt Disney Imaginations Competition. Would you like to do that with me? And somehow the this thing just w was never on my radar. I didn't know mm. what it was. And I looked it up and I will explain it very briefly because yeah. spoiler alert, we did end up doing it. Yeah. Um, the, the Walt Disney Imagine, um, pardon me, the Walt Disney Imagine, <laughs> Imaginations competition. A lot of imagine words. We get so used uh, to saying Imagineering as Disney Parks oh, fans. Yeah. That, that then we're like, imagine, no, there is another word, it's imagination. <laughs> yes, Walt Disney Imaginations competition is a competition for college students to take a prompt that is given by Imagineering each year and create a theoretical immersive experience based on that prompt. So you basically get a team together, see whatever prompt uh, Imagineering put out on the Imaginations website and use your skill sets to create a theoretical immersive experience. And so, um, the prompt, I'm going to try and do this as swiftly as I can. The, <laughs> the prompt was to find an abandoned location somewhere in the world and propose a revitalization of it. Wow. And so, uh, he and I found a, an abandoned mining town of, uh, Kennecott, Alaska, and we proposed a revitalization of it as this kind of family, uh, outdoor outing where you could visit mine shafts and and mm. go you know you know like ice skating and like skiing and you can have like lodging and hot chocolate and you know movie nights and oh. all these things we created this thing and like i said we are we are a small team of two people uh both in theater so we don't have any large engineering background so like dave said when he wrote back to me when i was 14 we really used our skill sets to our advantage. So I wrote an entire original musical score to no go underneath way. our presentation. <gasps> and I 
And Andrew and I, Andrew is my, my partner in this, uh, we both dug deep into story because in Imagineering, story is king and we're both in theater development. So we really wanted to make the story mm. the thing, the cornerstone of our project. And then Andrew, as a, as a designer, did some beautiful artwork and renderings and maps. So while we didn't have any animatronics or, or engineering's, engineering um, blueprints or anything, we really put our best foot forward and out of over 270 teams, we were actually uh, one of the six finalists, wow. uh, which was incredible, incredible opportunity. And as the six finalists, Imagineering flew all six teams out to Glendale, California, wow. to Walt Disney Imagineering to present our projects live on stage to Imagineers. Wow. Not, not, not to pitch to actually get done, yeah, to show our skill sets, and how how are you feeling when that ha- like? Can you remember the firstly finding out that you were going like that you had got to this point in in the process, and also then just walking into Disney Imagineering for the first time. It was something I had never thought I would experience at all, let alone at that stage in my life. Yeah. I, there are so many, I'm, I'm sure you can relate to this at some level because you're also a ways away from the parks, but growing up in Pennsylvania, while we did go to Walt Disney World, I was aware that headquarters was in California, you know, yeah. where, where Hollywood is yeah. and, and where, where all of these incredible things take place. That's where Walt was from. That's where the animation studios is. That's where Imagineering is. That's where Disneyland is. And it was like this far away land that I just read about and I would watch documentaries about. And suddenly I was flown there by Imagineering for Imagineering and to be standing in the halls looking at things that I have seen in books yeah for at that point was what how old was I like 22 23 um was it was truly remarkable and and to this day it's one of the highest highs I've ever felt just to to walk through the walls and see the original singing busts that I recreated when I was 10 and to see the 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 paintings that John Hench did and that Herb Ryman did of Disneyland during the conception. It was just, it felt like all of my nerddom was leading up to that moment. And You're like, this has all been worth it. All the nerddom has literally yeah. gotten to now. <laughs> and and the, the week, we were there for an entire week. We got uh, tours of Imagineering and uh, behind the scenes at Disneyland and the even the animation studios and we we then got to do little presentations this is circling back to again find your skill set we did little presentations about ourselves because one of the things that the competition does is it opens up the possibility for internships so we wow. did little presentations about ourselves and what we do I talked about music and theater and recreating haunted mansion stuff yeah and i was lucky enough to be interviewed by um a guy named uh jeff moskowitz who's uh executive creative producer of the disneyland portfolio i believe that's his title please correct me if i'm wrong Jeff. <laughs> um but i 
I interviewed with him and we really hit it off. He was a theater kid who started as a parade performer in Walt Disney World. And no we, way. We seemed to have parallel paths. And long story short, I was I was a few months later offered an internship under under him, working as a producer intern for the Disneyland portfolio. And wow. I got that call and I've been riding that high now for four years. <laughs> that is absolutely insane like to to I think what what you did in a nutshell was literally take again it comes back to taking your skill set taking your passion putting them together and just saying take any opportunity I can and see what happens and run with it oh yeah I mean there's there's always a need for you if you can find what that need is you have something to offer you just need to figure out what it is and become the best at that thing. Not I need, to say I, that I, I am, but... <laughs> no, in the most humble, like, like selfless way possible. But also, I need, like, a little book of Noah quotes because I'm, like, I'm, I'm obsessed with all of these, all of these... I, gar- <laughs> I guarantee that half of the quotes I'm giving you have also been given to me at some point. <laughs> I am purely the messenger. That's what it's all about. It's what it's all about. But, um, but so you end up getting this internship with Disney Imagineering. So what does that entail um, once you get to that point? It's a real job. You know, it, it has the word internship on it, but you're, you are working at Imagineering. You are, uh, I was told when I got there over and over again, you're not an intern. You're not an intern. You are an Imagineer. You happen yeah. to have the intern title, which as somebody right out of college with a music and theater degree, no less, to be respected in that way and to be, brought on board as part of the team was incredible. I will never forget. Um, I was working this, this sounds like a name drop and it is a little bit, but I'm just so proud. Uh, one of the projects I was working on, uh, Joe Rohde was the creative director and I got the good fortune to work with Joe for almost every day for nine months. Wow. Um, and my very first project meeting was a three hour meeting with Joe and the team. Stop. And when I was brought in, he made it a point to stop what he was doing, ask who I was, what I did, what I was excited about. And even just a little thing of like, what's your name? Your name is Noah. I'll remember that. Yeah. And, and he did. And, and he was an incredible, I'm, incredibly fortunate to say mentor because he's an extremely generous guy but to to zoom out even uh zoom back out to be respected in that way as a newbie and was was incredibly fulfilling and I got to do things like I was taking notes in all of these creative meetings as a producer intern to to get everybody on track and organize all of these creative ideas and I was kind of even though I was just taking notes I, I say just in quotes I was the gatekeeper to all of this information. Yeah. You know, cause, cause this project in particular was in the blue sky phase. And so we're just throwing things at the wall and I'm documenting all of them. And it's crazy. I felt incredibly important. 
Um, same thing. <laughs> you with, were with incredibly important, Noah. Got. That's what it. That's <laughs> the truth of it. <laughs> well, they they made me feel as such, and and in talking to my my fellow uh, former intern friends, many of them had that experience of being valued, and yeah. and it's incredibly humbling to see these legitimate legends um wait to hear what you have to say yeah amazing i mean one of the things that i think i've discovered on this podcast and by watching the imagineering story and and countless great documentary said, by the way so good so good but also countless um like youtube videos is that i think a lot of people do think that when it comes to imagineering that they think Oh, okay. Pandora World of Avatar. This sounds like a cool idea. Let's do this. But there are, am I right in saying there are so many other ideas outside of that central point that ends up actually getting created? There are so many other ideas that get thrown out there and get trialed in, in theory first before you actually end up with a product, right? Oh, yeah. No, we have an entire phase of a project called Blue Sky that is just dedicated to saying, what if this, what if that? And there is no pressure to have the first thing that pops to your mind be put on paper. But at Imagineering, uh, there's a, you know, phrase coined by Imagineers way older than I, that a good idea never dies at Imagineering. Mm -hmm. So while maybe you throw something out there, it doesn't uh, become a reality for this project. Five years later, you might remember that idea you had you put a different facade on it suddenly yeah. it's the head of this ride vehicle or, or the the pinpoint of this uh live entertainment story or or something like that that everybody is a wealth of knowledge and they're and while there's definitely you know a hierarchy of this is the creative director mm. this is the producer these are the associate producers well while there definitely is that because it is a company there is for the most part, a wonderful opportunity for all types of voices to be heard and all types of ideas to be heard. Definitely. And that's so good to hear as well. And I think that is, we experience that as cast members who work in the parks on a college program. But then to know that yeah. when you end up, when you end up doing an internship or end up working for the company full-time and um, back of house as well, it still is about making every voice heard and knowing that anybody is capable of bringing magic to life at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, when it comes to the time, so it was a one-year internship, I imagine? It was It was actually um, a three-month internship wow. that got extended to a four-month internship that got extended to a six-month <laughs> internship that got extended to a nine-month internship, then got hired. Amazing. I mean, so, so at that, I mean, after the three months, you've been like, you must have been like, okay, I'm doing something right. Like I've been extended. This, this, I, this is a good sign, right? <laughs> it, it, it was cautious optimism for sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I was at the end of my three months, I was living in an Airbnb. I didn't know how long I would be here. You know, it's yeah. by definition, an internship is temporary and there's no guarantee. And, but I really, what I tried to do in Imagineering was take full advantage of my time there as an intern because nothing because nothing was guaranteed after that so as the people person that I was just like on main street I would talk to people and Mm. I would ask people for coffee and I would ask people for lunch and I would meet people in meetings and say hey uh you sound really cool I'd like to know 
more of what you do. And yeah. as a nerd, there were a lot of people that I did know. And I reached out to people like Joe Rohde or Kevin Rafferty or um, all of these different legends that incredibly enough said, yeah, okay. And sat down and had coffee with me yeah. because I was genuinely interested in learning about people. I was genuinely learning about their stories, about their paths. Cause mm. like we just said, I didn't know what my path was. I didn't know I'd be at Imagineering yeah. at, when I was, if not at all. And so really just to learn how everybody got there and so many people got there through the parks. And I know this is, I know this is a topic that we said we would yeah. talk about, but I think it's a good <laughs> I think it's a good time. Yeah, it's a good time I, to talk I think it's about a it. Good transition of so many people I talked mm. to had worked in the parks. Yeah, uh, Kevin Rafferty, infamously, uh, who who just retired, um, his last big project uh, was the being the creative director of Minnie, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Amazing. Um, as well as things like uh, Toy Story Mania and, and Tower of Terror and Cars Land, um, he started as I believe a custodial cast member and and worked up to be a jungle cruise skipper and eventually you know I'm I have his book over there if you want to know more <laughs> about him you can read his book amazing but, link will know, be in the bio guys <laughs> that's right that's right um so many of people like Kevin just worked their way up and I got to meet so many people that either had the incredible fortune to get an internship like like me and make the make the jump incredibly early on but also a lot of people who worked in the parks for three to five years um, yeah. up front and then moved into corporate or or as a leader or as a mm. coordinator or in in disneyland's case in um in, in team disney anaheim uh, to work in the offices and and worked there and then made the jump in their 30s or in yeah. their 40s from backstage in the parks to backstage at Imagineering. And to see so many people make that jump really inspired me. And, in, and I want to give that information to other people because I think it yeah. is inspiring that just because I happened to get there early doesn't mean that that's the only option. You know, there yeah. are... There are paths you can work your way up. Uh, I knew five different people. I, I swear to God, five different people who at some point were friends with Aladdin. Really? I have worked with five separate ones. That's amazing. Which is just very funny. But yeah, um, yeah no, I think working in the parks, and forgive me, I'm, I'm rambling here. No, no, but, no, not at all. But working in the parks... I think gives you such an insight when yeah. you do in inevitably make that jump um, because you have firsthand experience of working with guests. That is something that you can't simulate. That is something that if you either have that experience or you don't. And if you, in, in just in my case, you know that paths have to be a certain depth yeah. otherwise if you, if half of it's a parade viewing area and half of it's a walkway there's not going to be enough space you know if you are an attractions cast member 
you know, how fast pass and standby merge should exactly. work. You know where shade needs to be, yeah. where, where break rooms need to be, things that you may not think of if you haven't had that firsthand experience. So while it's not necessary to be an Imagineer, I would say that it is incredibly helpful, helpful. yeah, and, and it provides an exorbitant amount of insight just to not only the guest experience, but the cast member experience. Yeah. Because if you have nice cast members, you'll probably have a better experience with nice guests. Like it's exactly like we said earlier, you know, one feeds into the other. I mean, it's it technically is a food chain because at the end of the day, no matter work, no matter what work is being done at the top, if the cast members aren't aren't being appreciated, which they are, but the cast members weren't being appreciated they wouldn't be given a good experience for the guests and the guests aren't getting a good experience in the cast members. You might as well throw the attraction or the restaurant or the, or the resort out the window, because again, it is the people that make that happen and having that firsthand experience, I'm sure has just opened you up to um, a world of realizing exactly what the guest wants. It all ends up getting back to that final point. The way I think the best analogy for myself is that now I have worked as a server in, in one of the most fast-paced environments in if not the most fast-paced environment in the world yeah i know i my etiquette in a restaurant to a server regardless if they're the most awful server that i've ever had because we've all had them but like the way i treat them you do realize okay this is a human being who might be having a bad day or a human being who um who isn't fully there yet and just needs a little bit of an oomph or something like it's about not just just being mean and and cancelling that person because they've not been at their best but being good to them and appreciating them to help them get to their best, right? Oh, absolutely. And it, it exactly what you said. I, I, I'll just agree. You know, it, yeah. it all feeds into each other. Yeah. And like, like I said before, just little things like cast members who are able to stand in the shade will be happier than cast members who stand in the sun. Exactly. Little things like that. Cast members who stand on blacktop might be a little hotter than cast members that stand on a different color or different style pavement. Yeah. Little things like that, that seem minute uh, in the, in the design phase, but Mm. really make a big difference in the cast member experience and therefore the guest experience. And to be able to bring that to the table is actually something that I felt that I had a lot of value for even as an intern. Yeah, especially because how close I think the turnaround of you being a cast member in the parks was to getting this internship as well. That's this information, uh, this, is, this is still so fresh in your head at this point where as someone like Joe Rody, he's been doing this for so long that it, I, I guess he's almost in autopilot at that point where he's like, he's still making these in, incredible experiences, but he needs the assistance of these people that have recently been cast members to make him realise again, okay, this is what a cast member feels like when they are doing their job so let's let's make that the best experience for them possible and again make that the best experience for the guest um now i'm rambling so <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate uh, I it. it all for the rambles um but yeah i mean in that nine months were there any projects that you can mention that have come to fruition now things that are in the parks now yes actually and that in and of itself is incredibly exciting to be able to say yes, because like, as I'm sure you know, these projects take years. Yeah. These projects, I mean, oh my gosh. 
even from the announcement of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge to it opening was a good few years and it was in development way before that. Um, But yes, the answer is yes. I was able to work on the final phases of Pixar Pier and the first attraction that I opened was uh, Jesse's Critter Carousel, which I got to... I got to be the intern on on that attraction. Sweet, sweet attraction, and yeah. what a what a good first attraction because, you know, on the surface it's just a carousel, but it's a music centric attraction, yeah. and we got to record six songs, and no and to be able to be part of the team who worked on that music is is incredible. I remember you know, one of the best experiences on that attraction in particular was some of the overnight shifts where we would go into Disney's Disney California adventure and just sit there at two in the morning in our jackets and just program the attraction, program the speakers. And, you know, I was just there, you know, taking notes, moral support, getting, getting people what they needed. (laughs) Just notes. Absolutely not. You're taking them very important, (laughs) crucial notes. That's what it is. (laughs) Um, And it was just, it it was an incredible first experience. And then I also got to uh, open Inside Out Emotional Whirlwind on Pixar Theater. And um, I helped um, do some historical research, uh, Mickey Mouse research, for the uh, upcoming Minnie and Mi- Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway in Disneyland, uh, soon wow. to be in Toontown, um, yeah. which is exciting. And then a, a plethora of things that are, that are not announced yet. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, let's do this again in five years. Exactly. I'm down for it. <laughs> uh, and, then, and then when I eventually made a transition into full-time, I worked... It, forgive me. Am I jumping the gun? Should I just stop there? Let's, we'll, go, we'll let's go. roll with it. Let's roll okay. with it. I'm, yeah, I'm here for it. All right. Well, I eventually, uh, after nine months, I got hired full time, uh, not as a producer on the Disneyland portfolio, but as a creative project coordinator for two separate departments, which is okay. a, a little strange, but I was able to kind of build this role for myself because, like I said, I knew what my skill sets are. And I knew where people needed it because I talked to a lot of people. So a creative project coordinator is a very wide net of a title. So Mm. what I was able to do is in the mornings, I worked as a creative project coordinator for Disney Parks Live Entertainment. And I worked as the right-hand man for the executive creative director of the entire Marvel Live Entertainment portfolio. So my, my boss, uh, Dan Fields, um, was in charge of creating the live entertainment for all the Marvel properties in the parks. And so yeah. I got to really help uh, in, in designing, as a creative voice, designing the live entertainment that is currently in Avengers Campus, which just wow. opened a few months ago, and will be coming to Avengers Campus in Disneyland Paris and work on all sorts of other small live entertainment uh, projects, which is great because now I'm surrounded by all theater people, all yeah. people who are writers, directors, producers, yeah. some of them who still are outside of Disney as well. And let me tell you, if you want a validating experience, work on a Disney project with with 
all other people who went to theater school, it really feels like coming home. But that's, that's what I did in the mornings. And then in the afternoons, I was a creative project coordinator for the casting department. Wow. Uh, not, okay. not in, yeah, not the live entertainment casting, but the voice casting for the park. So any safety right. spiel you'll hear, any character voice in a ride, anything on camera, that I worked in that department. And that department prior to me was a department of one. The man, the myth, the legend, casting director, Brian Nevsky, cast all the parks by himself. No so way. I befriended him when I was an intern and he knew he's also a, a theater, a student of theater. Yeah. And I, as an actor, am such a voice acting nerd and, yeah. and such a I well it started I, with the stop on the, the stop motion, right? Like that's where it began. Yeah. Yeah. No, all of this, all of this kind of voice acting, I I I can do a few improv. I can do like a Oh my um, god, but, there it is. <laughs> but I, I befriended this this guy and he was like, hey, you know, can you come help? It's it's a lot of work. And so I joined the team, became a casting department of two, wow. and worked with over a hundred voice actors, including legends like Corey Burton and Jim Cummings. Um, all of these people who are staples of the Disney park and to get to work with them in the booth you know it's me brian my boss possibly the writer or or director of the project the sound guy and the actor like it's a small space and wow. to be able to be be there firsthand when when cory burton does an updated tram safety spiel when when you get to hear cory burton say you know like hello everyone welcome aboard the mickey and friends and Pixar Pals tram like to to see that happen and to be a part of that as an actor and a parks nerd incredible experience that I got to do weekly in the book I mean I think that like we spoke about full circle moments that is like you goes back to you recreating the haunted mansion in your bedroom then yeah. to like and thinking okay how does this all work and then actually seeing that happen in it's, person it, no, it, it is truly, it is absolutely those first full circle moments. I, I brought up Corey Burton. Uh, Corey Burton is my voice acting hero. Uh, he is safety, safety spiels all across the park. He's Captain Hook. He's Mad Hatter. He is um, Ludwig von Drake. He's wow. all, every single pirate that mentions Jack Sparrow in Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride. Um, and he's the ghost host in Haunted Mansion Holiday, which is out here in, in California. No way. So to go from recreating the Haunted Mansion special effects like the singing bust, which you can see on my YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> Link in the bio again. <laughs> that's right. Um, to go from recreating those effects to actually working with the guy who does the ghost host voice for yeah. us now. It's, I mean... Again, I could give you a list of pinch me moments, but that yeah. was that was a big one is working with Corey multiple I times. I mean, it's the most impossible question in the world because I know as a creative and someone that works in theatre as well that no two days are the same. When it comes to this role, though, is there a typical day in the office or is it pretty much like every day is different? There is a loose structure 
Yeah. Um, there are there are weekly meetings that I know I will go to, and there are yeah. certain tasks that I know I will do every day. Yeah. But but yeah, it is every day is different because one day I'm working on you know a an Avengers stage show, and the next. I'm working on an Avengers meet and greet for the cruise line. And one day I'm working on a recording uh, session for a safety spiel for animal kingdom. And the next I'm working on scratch tracks for the next roller coaster. And then, you know, there's the odd day where you bring in an actual celebrity. Like we got to work with the dad from modern family, whose name is Ty Burrell. Ty Burrell, yes, yeah. who was dressed in a three-piece suit, by the way. He did not need to go that hard, but he did. Uh, or work with Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hara on the Stop. new um, uh, Canada show in the, the 360 theater. And that you just get these days. Uh, or Tom Hanks' brother, Jim, for because uh, Tom Hanks doesn't do Woody in the parks. It's his brother, Jim Hanks. Right. And so we got to work with him on the carousel. And, and just things like that, that, again, as a parks and acting nerd, were, was this incredible colliding of worlds. Yeah. <laughs> I was just incredibly fortunate to be a part of and just to be a fly on the wall in any of this was a dream. Literally, literally. I mean, one thing that we definitely have to touch on a little bit more, as much as you can anyway, I get Please. that. Imagineering is a whole book of secrets, but whatever you can tell us about the Marvel live entertainment stuff, I know the listeners will absolutely die to hear a little bit more about that. So what was it like bringing Marvel to the parks? Well, there Marvel as the, the Marvel movies as a concept are so built upon these characters. It's so yeah. character driven specifically, you know, you look at something like Star Tor- or Star Wars Star Wars is a very location yeah. driven franchise. You know, you yeah. want to go to to Tatooine or or any of or a the, new planet just, or, or a new planet. As, as long as you're in this galaxy, it's right. great you, or that you you're want, there. You want to be in on these planets. You want to be transported there. Marvel on the other hand is so driven by the characters and the characters relationships with one another that there really wasn't any choice but to have live entertainment be a critical point of the this land. Yeah. And so there are there's an incredible amount of live entertainment where whether it's the the Dora Milaje, you know, teaching the audience uh, fight choreography from Wakanda or or Loki just chilling. You know, Loki chilling and and uh, the the development process that that I got to be a part of is like okay, Loki is just chilling in this park. What happens when he crosses paths with Thor? What happens when he crosses paths with Dora Milaje? What happens when he crosses paths with with X, Y, or Z? And to be able to just, for me, dive into research and to say, what are these characters, character X, character Y, what is, do they have any shared history? Have they met? What is their relationship? If they haven't met, who do they know that's in common with the two of them? And, yeah. and to be able to build these, these, the, the structure for these interactions, um, because there's so many roaming characters, it's quite a, it's quite a, a high point of the land that if you mm. go into um, 
currently the only one you'll you'll have access to is the one in in Disney in Disney California Adventure right now. When you go in there, you will almost inevitably run into a character, whether it's Spider-Man flipping way high above the web slingers yeah. attraction. We've all seen that video. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, which uh, remind me to 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 bring up in a moment because I have a very cool tidbit that I think uh, okay. you you and the listeners would enjoy. But whether it's Spider-Man or or Ant-Man and the Wasp near near the Pym restaurant or things like that, you will always see live characters. Yeah. And it is so it it just brings the land to life in a way that I think live entertainment is so keen on doing in all the Disney parks. And it really just takes it to the next level because there are so many beloved characters. It does. And I think being in the UK, I, I'm a big, I do really enjoy the Merlin parks that we have here in the UK. And, but the one thing as a massive Disney Kino and Disney parks and resorts fan, it's so hard going to a park that's not a Disney or universal park. I will throw universal in there as well. And you see how immersive everything is with the smallest little details. It do, obviously I'm not, I'm not like downsizing how much Imagineers put into this, but it's the fact that there is a team of people there saying, okay, what, what are the little things that we can add onto the normal theme park to make people feel like they're in the action, not just there to queue up for a ride and, and grab lunch at a quick service. How do we get people as integrated into this as possible? And that's what Disney does best. And like you said, you, you inevitably you're probably going to run into a character when you go into Marvel campus and that makes all of the attractions and everything else redundant. If you want it to be, don't get me wrong. I can't wait to ride web slingers, but like it, but at the end of the day, it, doesn't all come down to that people don't people go to to disney the disney parks to just walk down main street because it's main street and because you love the feeling that it gives you the rides are great we love riding space mountain but everything else is what makes it a disney park oh yeah and i i have absolutely no shame in saying there are times where i will go to the park grab a bite to eat and just hang out listen to music watch watch people walk by and then leave because it's just it's just some place that is exciting to be in. You know, let's yeah. say a, a line is a little too long for you, you can still see a band play in New Orleans yeah. Square. You can see Spider Man flip, you know, fifty <laughs> feet in the air in Avengers Campus. There are still experiences to see if Grandma and Grandpa can't go on the roller coaster and they need to sit on the bench. Like there is still value in that experience and i think that avengers campus does that particularly well the the whole destination avengers campus galaxy's edge disneyland and disney world in general they're an attraction in themselves yes we refer to the rides as attractions but the whole place is an attraction itself it makes our jaw drop and that is why we love it yeah before i i I, oh sorry no problem i was just gonna say real Real quick, uh, yeah. in live entertainment, it, it's such a point of pride that um, there is some statistic um, that I was given on, on uh, being a part of the live entertainment team mm. that out of the three experiences that a standard guest wants to have when they go to a Disney park, two of them are live entertainment. And the, the three are riding their favorite ride, of course. Yeah. But then 
seeing a fireworks show or parade and meeting their favorite character. And two out of those three are live entertainment. And it really, it takes it to the next level. Definitely. 100%. Um, The parks without the live entertainment, that was when, when COVID hit last year, everyone was was so devastated by how as much as disney world was open for two months three months after after covid had hit it was great in some sense we won't get into that to see the parks open again to see that magic alive um but not seeing festival of the lion king on not having the fireworks on it was it was heartbreaking because we don't just go to, we can go to a Six Flags, you know, to, to go on a roller coaster. We go to Disney World for this fully immersive experience. And I just want to thank you for being a part of whatever and every piece of magic you've created, because it's people oh, like you that you. allows us to experience these things and, and to have this innovation that we, that makes us want to go to the parks year after year. Um, but I wasn't say before we move on, tidbit, you, you said to remind you of a tidbit. Ah, yes. Uh, Spider-Man or Web Slingers, a Spider-Man adventure. I was working on uh, live entertainment surrounding that, but I worked in the area that that ride was being developed. Uh, One of my best friends was a media uh, coordinator on that ride Mm. because there's a lot of media uh, on screens. And they were developing the attraction and the pre-show, which has Peter Parker appear in person. Uh, through through a uh, special effect and I was in the right place at the right time uh, that I was asked to be the stand-in for Tom Holland so for two years I was Peter Parker uh, during all the uh, research and development through all of the uh, script updates through all of the special effects um, testing and I was actually uh filmed for for all of that uh just for for internal stuff so much so that when the executives would 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 come through and review the the attraction and the effects and give notes they would see my performance as peter parker so while i may not have been there in person occasionally i'd be at my desk and an executive would walk by that i don't know but they'd look at me and they'd be like Hey, it's Peter Parker. Oh, uh, no way. <laughs> so that was, I, I, I became a little bit more known uh, through providing a scratch track, if you will. Um, and then, you know, of course, in the casting side, you got to bring in Tom Holland, which was a fun experience. That is absolutely crazy what do you know what I was gonna I was gonna bring this up earlier and I think again going back to working in theatre I've done I've dabbled in film a little bit as well and producing and you wear so many hats in in this (laughs) industry if you're creative you wear so many hats and you have to be willing to do it because at the end of the day if someone's got to do the job you've got to be willing to to step up and help out everyone mucks in and what an experience. Did you think when you applied for your college program, you would be a stand-in for Tom Holland as Peter <laughs> Parker in the opening of one of the biggest rides that Disneyland has had in the last 10 years? Absolutely not. I, if, if I could go and tell 16-year-old Noah <laughs> that he would do any of this, I, don't, I think he would just be like, all right. Yeah. Very, very funny. But I... Yeah incredibly incredibly fortunate um 
to to be a part of it all and to be like you said to be involved in any way that I can you know yeah. it's 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 really fun to be to be uh, a jack of all trades and just kind of say hey do you need help here do you need help? Yeah. people need problem solvers and if you can be that for somebody you'll get work <laughs> yeah and you know what it's all about it's all about networking in the most organic way possible it's about oh. making fr- it's about making friends and those friends become people that can rely on you to help out when you need it yeah and and that is i mean i can point to that as the along with my work let me yeah. downplay that <laughs> but i think such a big part of why i was able to to get to imagineering and and move through it a little was because i took the time to build relationships and to really be genuinely interested in in people and and what they do uh, mm. i don't think i wouldn't i would have gotten to be peter parker if I hadn't had lunch with somebody who told somebody else that I had a background in theater. Exactly. So I was walking through this building. They knew who I was. I didn't know who they were. They came up to me. First thing they said, Hey, Peter Parker. And I was like, yes, that was the first thing this man ever said to me. Now we're friends, but it was just, I was in the right place at the right time and had talked to people and they had, they knew what I had to offer. And it was really, I mean, like you said, just to be ready and willing and enthused will get you very far. It will, yeah. It's not the only thing you need, but boy, will it help. Make the most of every moment because you don't know when that right place and right time is and enjoy it as well. I think one of the one of the key things is about not letting whatever you're doing drag on. Make sure you're enjoying what you're doing because people look for people that are enjoying themselves. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. To wrap up your Imagineering journey, because um, I know I could be here for five hours. You know Me that. too. I, I, like... just, I just checked the phone. The, the, I know. The, I'm so sorry. Clock, I'm and I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. I just keep you no. talking. Hey, <laughs> I've got nothing else to do. I love this. <laughs> Um, but yeah, to wrap up in your Imagineering journey, obviously, Imagineering took a hit. It's 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 public knowledge. It, it, not just Imagineering, the whole company did with COVID. And it's so amazing that the company has, imagine, has managed to survive um, through hopefully the worst thing that we will go through in our lives. Yeah. Um, what's what's next for you, Noah, when it comes to 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 whatever you want to do next? No, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that question. Uh, right now, I am working as the um, assistant to two young musical theater composers, uh, Abigail Barlow and Emily Bear, who uh, listeners may know they're TikTok famous now and, and quite gaining an incredible amount of speed from uh, their unofficial Bridgerton musical, which just released an al- released the album uh, on Friday the 10th, which was what, a, a week and a half ago now? Yeah. Um, at the time of this recording. Uh, <laughs> I don't know when this will air, but at the time of this recording. Soon. We'll say soon. <laughs> soon. It's, it's yes. currently 19th of September, if anyone is that curious. So. <laughs> yes. Um, but the, the uh, their album came out just a little while ago, and it, within 24 hours, was number one on the iTunes pop charts and has currently had over 5 million streams. And they just performed at the Kennedy Center 50th anniversary. And to be 
a part of this very small team. Yeah. Uh, it is quite literally Emily and Abigail in their apartments writing musical theater. And to be the third person in that room, essentially doing what I did at Imagineering of coordinating their lives, coordinating the schedules, yeah. taking the notes, organizing their music. And to be part of that, again, as a musical theater composer is an incredible learning experience just to see them work and to be part of it, you know, to be a part of the team is so exciting because let me tell you, these, these two young women are going to make it big. They are, yeah. they are, you're going to see their name in lights on stage and screen. I, I have no doubt. And just to be a part of that is so exciting. Um, and I would love to keep working with them to keep yeah. working in the musical theater industry um, on my own projects, on other people's projects. But then maybe down the line, if I could take that um, added knowledge and use it to come back in a music sense to yeah. Imagineering and, and come in at that higher level with a few years of, of experience, whether, of you know, and, you know, let's not limit it to just that. It could be, you know, working in musical theater in any capacity is yeah. really the ultimate goal. And to be able to fuse that with Disney Parks is the mecca for me. Amazing. And you know what? Your story so far really has been literally from, from the very start, loving the Disney Parks as a kid, loving Haunted Mansion, wanting to find out more about it, but also having this burning passion for music throughout your entire career that we've just been through that has been a very a very like steady um balance there's been a very steady balance between music and this passion for themed entertainment and I just I can just tell that from from this hour of talking to you that it's going to continue in that way if you want it to and I, I think that someone like you really does so I just can't wait to see how you end up sculpting or molding whatever you do next to fit you perfectly oh thank you that that does mean a lot i, I really appreciate it of course I'm, I'm i'm happy that my enthusiasm comes through exactly we all need it right now as well yeah we might be on hopefully the better half of the pandemic but i'm like yeah. we still need a bit of motivation in our lives um Absolutely. something that we we discussed previous to this recording that we wanted to have a little chat about towards the end of the podcast and um, was whether you had any advice to uh, give anyone that wants to break into Imagineering or themed entertainment. My, my advice is very, very similar to the advice I got when I was 14 is yeah. to really, if you want to, to join that team in themed entertainment, whether it be at Disney universal, what, whatever, Meow Wolf, you know, things like that, wherever, truly your enthusiasm is a wonderful asset but it must be coupled with the skill set really find what you're passionate about find what you're good at and become the best that you can yeah. in that in that skill set because if you can take that skill set and apply it you, there will never you will always be useful in that area of expertise and just the more just never stop being curious, learn as much as you can and really just be truthful and honest to yourself about what you're good at and follow yeah. that passion. 
and the doors will open one way or another. You got to do the work, but if you, if you do, opportunities will follow. Amazing. And I think something that I've taken from you today as well is that there is no time scale on things. It's never too early and never too late. Who knows yeah. when things can happen, but keep working at it because your day will come if you want it to come, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Like I said before, the fact that I had this experience um, at all, you know, yeah. and I, I'm 25. I, I tell people I'm a, I'm a former Imagineer. I don't look like I've been a former anything. I look like <laughs> yeah. 16. Um, but to have that experience and to say that might not be the end, you know, yeah. whether it's with Disney or with music, you know, I have, I have decades ahead of me to figure out what those next chapters yeah. are and, and, to to go down paths and experiment you know i i've had a lot of recent conversations with people who are like myself approaching their 30s to to realize that we're not actually that old yeah. and to 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 give ourselves the freedom to experiment and and to fail i mean exactly. you you will fail yeah and that's okay because whatever you just did wasn't the only option. It wasn't the only opportunity, even if it felt like that at the time. And yeah. I've, I, I have felt that, but yeah. you know, there's, like you said, it's never too early. Um, apply for things as soon as you're able college yeah. program, imagineering imaginations, all three things I did apply for them as early as you can. <laughs> but if it takes a while, like I know a lot of people may not get into the college program on their first time, apply yeah. again yeah um, same thing with 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 internships or or imaginations competition apply again they don't not like you like no. it's just do it again keep pursuing don't give up exactly oh again i'm so inspired right now it is nearly 11 p.m <laughs> here and i'm like i need to like oh no <laughs> i want to run and listen to some really feel good music or something i don't know something just to like like get all this amazing energy out I love it and I hope everyone else listening is feeling the same um my second to last question for you Noah again I just I feel so bad I always ask this question it's such a hard question but has there been a highlight of your time with the Disney company so far the short answer is yes let me choose <laughs> full one. stop period that's it yeah, yes that's right that's all you, that's all you get um I think just, I'm, I'm going to summarize it just a little and to say the best thing was the opportunity to have the full circle moments that we talked about. Yeah. Uh, whether it's working with Joe Rohde or working on an attraction that is heavily based in music or meeting the guy who wrote me the letter when I was 14, my wow. second day of work, I told my boss that I did that. And he's like, oh, Dave, yeah, let's go upstairs. Dave, actually, I'll, I'll tell you the story because this, yeah. this, is, this is this is this is a, a career highlight. I told my boss that I wrote to Imagineering, told him that Dave Fisher responded. And he's like, oh, yeah, Dave. We walked upstairs. Dave was like, oh, you know, hi, Noah. Nice to meet you. I told him that I, I wrote to Imagineering that he wrote back. And he said, when did you write? And I said, I think summer of 2010. And he goes over to a drawer 
thumbs through no. some files and he says, this letter? <gasps> Stop. And my heart just about stopped. Wow. And Dave has since been a wonderful friend. And wow. that is probably out of the many, many, many full circle moments has got to be top three because yeah. his advice kept me going to be where I am as a strange yeah. musical theater teen to, to have the confidence to move forward and, you know, pursue it and to see, to quite literally see where I started and where I was. Yeah. Not to say that he still had it. That was pretty cool. Right. It was just, that was that was an incredibly surreal moment for me. It really, uh, we you said earlier that storytelling is at the heart of Imagineering. That it is is the it's where everything stems from. Yeah, story. The fact true. that that this was such a huge chapter in your life, sending that letter, you never would think that someone as high up in Imagineering or the Disney Company or in this in this passion that you have would keep that letter that is proof that we create the stories that are told at the end of the day we really are at the at the root of all of those stories that are told absolutely couldn't agree more oh my heart i can't do anymore well we're lucky we're at the last <laughs> question lucky we're at the last question this is the real tough one this is our on-brand question we ask every guest now so are you ready to answer this I'm question ready. now okay okay so the question i have for you is I want to know what your deepest, darkest Disney confession. I love the Disney animated movie Home on the Range. No way! That is a confession. I need to hear why, because I'll be honest, I'm not a fan. <laughs> and I think 90% of the Disney population are also not a massive fan. Let's be real. Tell me <laughs> all. Tell all. Come on, spill the beans. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I, I have no shame for my love of this movie. I think the music, as strange as it is, is incredibly delightful. The yodeling villain song makes me laugh every single time I hear it. Uh, it is a good short 90 minutes. It, I, I grew up in not not farmland but like close yeah. like like between suburban and rural like right. i i wasn't i didn't live on a farm but like i could walk to some if i wanted middle ground um, and so like there's a little bit of nostalgia in it feels a little like home yeah uh, my grandfather is a self-proclaimed cowboy so i have that connection to it um but i just it makes me laugh the concept yeah. is so silly the music um, is so strange and such a stylistic pastiche that I, I smile. I listen to it in car rides, like when I go on drives through the desert. It is, it is very funny. And I will say, last week, I went to an old vintage Hollywood shop and bought a three by four foot poster of home on the range i do not know if i have enough wall space to put it up but when i eventually get a house it'll be a it's nice going up 
I love it. I want a picture of that on the day that that comes up, please. I really want I really want a picture of it on your wall, being nice and proud, home on the range. That is the confession. Oh, see me saying that, that'll question all of the legitimacy of my, of my previous <laughs> hour of expertise. Literally, literally. No, we love it. We're, we're here for, we're here for our secret guilty pleasures and home on the range is more than welcome in this podcast. Oh yeah. Well, Noah, it has been such a privilege and such just I just feel so honoured and grateful that you have taken the time to come and chat with me on this podcast, not just for myself, but I know that all of our listeners just have it really has been so amazing for um, everyone to hear um the the ins inside the magic really uh, 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 while we can't get to the parks obviously in the UK Paris is really only just properly opened and still with quarantine in place it's hard to get over there um so people like yourselves coming on this podcast we're also grateful for you so thank you so much for coming on oh thank you so much for having me I really do I I am so confounded by my own story that just talking about it really kind of makes me realize that what I did was really cool and I'm really yeah. super proud of what I've been able to do and you know the the friends I've been able to make and yeah. to be able to share my story and whatever whatever advice I can muster to to you and and the listeners is just something you know that I I enjoy and I hope they did too definitely well I can guarantee you they absolutely will so I want to say on behalf of everyone a huge big thank you to you Noah (laughs) (laughs) thank you of course no worries and all of Noah's um links YouTube socials will be in the um bio for this episode and over on our Instagram as well make sure to go and give him a follow but Noah thank you so much once again for coming on this podcast I really really appreciate it Thanks so much. Thanks, everybody. Have a magical day. There we go. We have it. So this has been another episode of Confessions of a Disney Cast Member. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, follow our Instagram, and listen to all of the other episodes because they're just as magical as each other. Keep spreading the magic, everyone, and bye!